Hi, I'm Tracy, an impassioned lady on a quest to slay working motherhood and find fulfillment. I'm here to help you navigate the beautiful and damned in the life of a working mom. I'm a PA, mom, wife, and lover of fashion who is guiding my fellow working moms to ditch the dread and find fulfillment in the wonder and the war zone that is modern motherhood. I teach you the clinical pearls you need to create a life you love, pearls you can apply today to change your life tomorrow. Skirt around those heavy real life topics? No way. Here you'll get an unfiltered ringside seat. You'll hear about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Parenting, step-parenting, marriage, motherhood, faith, and finances are all topics we will sit down and unpack together. Think of this as your one-stop shop for all the motivation and encouragement you need to help navigate working motherhood. Each week, it's like a mom's night out had a baby with a TED Talk. Then the mom's night out went back to work. Pull up a seat, get settled, and get ready to be inspired and encouraged. This is Fulfilled, the podcast. Welcome back to Fulfilled, the podcast. Today we have guest Laura Francisco. Laura is a wife, mom, emergency medicine PA turned business owner. Laura founded Metalita in 2008 and became the first company to market the high-end performance medical apparel category. Laura and her team have become the industry leaders for both men and women's lab coats, scrubs, and scrub jackets. Laura continues to grow in her role as Chief Innovative Officer of Metalita and is involved in many ways in this company she built from the ground up. She's been described as driven, energetic, joyful, and she dedicates herself to the pursuit of Metalita's mission to provide exemplary service and deep personal connection with her medical colleagues. I'm so excited to welcome Laura to the show and to share this interview about everything from performance fabrics to starting a company and from learning as you go to the various seasons of working motherhood. Let's get started. So, um, Laura, welcome and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Tracy. I'm really excited. Awesome. So, could you introduce yourself to our listeners if they're not already familiar with you? Absolutely. My name is Laura Francisco and I'm a physician assistant of 21 years. I went to a program that has since transitioned to a new name. At the time, it was called St. Vincent's Catholic Medical Center's Physician Assistant Program of Brooklyn and Queens. And I went there as a very young student because I wanted to work in emergency medicine, specifically inner city emergency medicine. And I felt like um, that program specifically would be perfect, not only for the educational aspects, but my career goals as well. And so how did you go from practicing clinically as a PA to uh, running a company that makes my favorite lab coats? Oh, thank you. It's kind of, you know, it was a, a long transition. I think from the very first time that I set foot in a local scrub and lab coat store in Queens, there weren't any white coat ceremonies at the time. It was just, you know, you go and find your own short, you know, student length coat you know, and show up in it the first day. And so I was really excited, you know, it was just this monumental time in my life that I was transitioning, you know, from being sort of confused as to what my path was, but having a definitive path. Um, I was going to be a PA, gone into school, and this is going to mark that transition for me. Walk into this store in Queens, and um, it was just jam-packed. There was no sense as to how things were organized. 
Um, there was no, um, this brand is here and that brand is over here. This size is here, that one's here. And I, I went in really exciting and, I, and I, I left feeling extremely dejected. I ended up just settling on, you know, one that I could find in barely my size. Coat was kind of flimsy and sewn of very poor stitching and fit, but really didn't fit. And um, that was, you know, the beginning of many instances in my life um, and early in my career where I felt, you know, very frustrated with what we were issued, especially to present yourself in a professional manner. Um, and uh, I just, I couldn't understand it. I thought certainly, you know, there has to be something of better quality. I just don't know what it is. And as the internet came more and more into being um, and Google searches were possible, I still was unable to find anything in that range between endless, endless nursing styles and the very, very standard unisex styles. Um, and this is way back in the day um, when you asked any female clinician what size lab coat they wear, and they would 100% of the time tell you a man's blazer size because mm -hmm. that's all they had ever known. And so I started to research and um, become more serious and do my own sort of experimenting, you know, to see if this was just my own preferences or if other people felt this way. Listen to colleagues, listen to friends, um, learn about, you know, performance fabrics and actually show up to work one day in sort of my test garment because there is no rules basically on, you know, what a female clinician is supposed to wear. You're just always issued this junky, you know, shapeless garment. So this is before twins and before my singleton and very young in my twenties and I showed up to work wearing this Dickies hip flip, like Navy pinstripe crossover top and this sort of like very fitted pant, matching pant. And it was Navy, right? Cause we're supposed to wear Navy. And, um, I hadn't barely, you know, sat in my seat when my shift started and the supervising physician I was working with said, I don't know what you're wearing, but you can go to the OR and get some scrubs and come back and see patients. And I was like, yeah, um, I knew that was going to happen, but I needed it to happen in order to sort of push me over the edge and finalize that sort of impetus that I had, you know, to do something. So I became much more serious about this sort of entrepreneurial path. Granted, I had no business experience. I have no apparel experience. I don't know a thing about performance fabrics. But I start cold calling, you know, these um, these companies and saying, you know, I'm a I'm a new startup, you know, and and 99% of the time would get hung up on. The economy was very good at the time. This is around 2006, 2007. And I wanted to not only introduce new patterns that made sense, um, to take the unisex lab coat and the unisex scrub set and feminize it just slightly for women, mm -hmm. raise the neckline, you know, narrow the armhole, provide a little bit of shaping at the waist, nothing over the top, put some shaping in the hips to allow for the female figure, add more security to the, the waistline so it wasn't just held by a single very flimsy drawstring, put a little bit of shaping in the leg allow you to have the same basic overall appearance as a typical one pocket, you know, v-neck scrub top and pant and fit in amongst your, you know, mainly male colleagues, but still look very professional to mm -hmm. look like you had 
you know, brushed your teeth and fixed your hair and put on a little bit of makeup and that you weren't putting on, you know, something of similar quality to pajamas. And, um, and I, so I thought certainly, you know, I can't be the only female clinician that feels this way. And I sort of took the leap at that point. Which is such an incredible story because I think that you certainly weren't the first one to say, I don't like the way this lab coat fits. I'm not wearing it because it's not flattering, but you were the first one to say, I see a need and I don't see a solution in the marketplace. So I'm going to create it myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so Still to this day, I think it's just insanity that I took that leap. Um, I had no idea what I was in for, <laughs> no idea. but it's been a great adventure and definitely worthwhile. You founded Metalita how many years ago? Um, I founded Metalita in 2007. We launched in 2008. Um, so it took some time to really figure out every step, especially the performance fabric sort of yarn story and how to translate my own layman's terms to actual apparel terms and have that make sense to these very sort of specific performance mills that were making the fabrics. I, I remember the very first company that I work with, they, they open up their suitcase just like they normally do and out pops like all these, you know, millions of fabrics and they start asking you, you know, what, what drape do you want? What GSM do you want? What weave do you want? And I'm like, I have no idea what you just said, but let me just dig through and I'll, I'll find what I need. I won't know any of your terms, but I promise you, I know exactly what we need. I am the customer. So. Mm-hmm. so I think that gives you a unique perspective that you are both the founder and the consumer. And so you knew what that female clinician was looking for mm-hmm. and not able to find out in the market. So I'm sure there was so much testing and kind of figuring out what worked and what didn't work. Talk a little bit about that process. Yeah. Um, Well, the scrub fabric, it was just a matter of making it not too thin and not too thick. Mm -hmm. Um, We were really lucky in that I was given an opportunity with dry release yarns. And I felt like that was the perfect performance fiber for people wearing scrubs. It's close to your body. You get really sweaty, really hot parents over both shoulders threatening your life if you don't get, you know, this procedure done correctly, you know, big overhead lights while you're doing procedures and just really long shifts. It's, it's very taxing work, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted something that prevented odors, that was moisture wicking, that was cooling, that was easy care, that was wrinkle free, that was non-fading, non-pilling, all of these things that were essential to what was always thought of as a cheap crappy fabric. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it could do so much more than that. And the wearer deserves that. And I'm just looking to bring something thoughtful to them beyond just the pattern upgrade. So that was kind of a lucky happenstance. Um, and we actually still use that fabric to this day on our non stretch scrub fabric. It might be the longest running fabric, you know, in the history of apparel. But And then for the lab cuts, I actually... You know, that was kind of trial and error. I thought, oh, cotton sounds good. Uh, we started with a, a, believe it or not, 100% cotton lab coat in 2008. And I appreciate every single person that purchased from us because it was a little too thick for sure. And it sure as heck wasn't durable. <laughs> you know, like any cotton garment, you're going to get fraying at the sleeve hems and 
you know, you put something heavy in the pocket, you're going to get wearing at the corners. And we'd get people calling us every day saying, you know, that they're, you'd worn through their elbow. And I knew that wasn't correct, you know, very early in that experience, but just started working towards researching, you know, extensively to find, you know, what could be correct um, for a long-term solution. So my plan for this episode is for it to air in the midst of other episodes I have on fashion. Uh So I feel like I would spend all this time choosing an outfit. I would go to work Mm -hmm. and then I would hide the outfit under this terrible lab coat that had Mm -hmm. that bright blue non-specific embroidery that I always detested. And I now feel like my lab coat is part of my outfit. Like it complements my outfit. Like I put it on and continue to feel very put together and very Mm -hmm. professional. So was that intentional in these designs that you were aiming for it to be a completer piece of sorts? Yeah. Um, It was a lot of things. I definitely would say that the early initiative was really to change from a unisex style to a gender specific style and to offer it in women's sizes that they were familiar with. I'm telling you, even to this day, you'll still ask most women and they'll tell you 34, 36. I'm like, no, no. Um, You know, like if you went to your favorite store at a mall and you bought you know, at Banana Republic or whatever. And, yeah. you know, you'd go to the dressing room with what sizes for your blazer. And they're like, oh, oh, yeah. I'm sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it was more basic to begin with. And then when it was well-received, especially the lab coats, I realized that women were willing to step out of the very traditional um, collar, lapel, pocket, um, lower patch pockets of the traditional lab coat. They wanted more than that. They were ready to move into more um, innovative styles that really complemented their own style. So I really agree with that. Um, we, uh, it was the original uh, lab coat from Metalita. It was called the Calia lab coat, and it had extremely rounded lapel and collar, rounded pockets. It was just over the top feminine, um, covering the embroidery, you know, terribly. But again, people were just willing, you know, they they understood my intentions and they wanted it so badly that even though it wasn't perfect, especially in the first few years, they wore it anyways. Um, mm-hmm. And were willing to help guide me and push me towards improvements that we uh, definitely work towards over time. Yeah, I mean, it is a work of art now. And uh, I love seeing when you guys release new styles and being able to incorporate those into my own wardrobe. You've heard me talk about Simply Put Together, the incredible style course by Audrey Tom of Putting Me Together. Audrey is now offering a free masterclass. She will teach you six common style mistakes and three foundational keys on how to fix them. She'll share what it takes to build a wardrobe that you love, how to make style easy and effortless, and how to put together awesome outfits with clarity and confidence. If you are looking to level up your fashion, click the link in the show notes to join Audrey's free masterclass. So I want to take a minute to talk about all of the various hats that you wear. You're a mom, you're a business owner, you're doing all of these things. 
How do you find some semblance of balance and make time for yourself amidst all of those things that you do? I think that's a great question. I'd definitely be lying to say that I'm good at it or I'm perfect at it. You know, today's a great example. You know, we were late to school. We were late to wake up. The dog had an accident. I think we left one of the kids' computers at home that they, of course, need for you know, their education. I came to work with no earrings, you know, like, um, and the day's just kind of gone on like that. Our Monday, Wednesday, Friday, nanny gave notice. I mean, I could keep going, but I've been doing this a long time because I, you know, we have an 11 year old and twins that are eight. And during this entire time that I've had kids, I've been working way more than full time. I remember, you know, bringing Aubrey to work um, when she was a newborn and literally burrito rolling her and putting her on my desk in front of my keyboard, you know, and she slept, you know, while, while I did my work. And I think what I'm trying to say is that you just make it work. You figure it out and you continually adapt creatively and you look for resources around you that can help you. We were very, very fortunate, you know, when the twins were born to match with incredible au pairs. Uh, We had one from Brazil. Um, She was with us for a year, one from Denmark and one from South Africa that was with us for many, many years. And they were my savior at those early years when the twins were very, very young and Aubrey was still very young too. And, uh, you know, again, it's just along those lines of working really hard to find incredible nannies, asking for flexibility, you know, amongst my colleagues. My, my latest thing is to ask neighbors, you know, when I'm in a pickle, you know, and to find additional help you've mentioned before where I don't need to do it. I do need to be a tremendous influence in my children's life, but I don't need to do the laundry every day, for example. And I've heard you say that, and I firmly agree with that. I like to do laundry, but it's just not in the cards for me most days. So I'm able to find people that have really helped our family and helped me personally and um, allow me to keep focus on my priorities. Was that a very simple and straightforward process for you where you felt like I'm having kids, but I'm still running this business. I obviously need help at home. Or was that something that took you a little while to realize? Um, It's definitely a learning curve. I think it is for everyone and every day is more so with, with a single time, it was much easier. Um, You know, I'm sure (laughs) anything she can go anywhere with me. She can sleep. I can nurse anywhere. Like I can close my doors. It's just very little to be concerned about the twins. That's another story. You know, you know, I don't have as many kids as you do. And I (laughs) think that I would be able to balance nearly as well, but you know, we figured it out. It's working. Nothing's perfect. You know, just before I logged on with you, I got an email from the kids, the twins teacher saying that Ellie had a really bad day and that her friend group was leave excluding her and she was sad all day. And, you know, all these things, it's just a constant culmination, you know, the, the emails, the texts, the school obligations, the dentist, the doctor obligations, the, what are you not doing? Like just making bed a positive, you know, bedtime routine, a positive experience. It's just really has to be a tremendous focus. And I work every day to make sure that, you know, I'm prioritizing and that I'm giving 
you know, our kids the love and attention and the confidence that they deserve, you know, to become good humans. Yeah. And I think that there are seasons when you really lean in at work and there are seasons when someone's struggling at home and you really need to be, you know, extra present and spending extra time with them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it sounds like you guys have ebb and flow and, and when you need to be, you know, home with them, you're able to do that. Mm -hmm. And when you need to lean in at work that you're able to do that, which is a challenge in and of itself to find that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you of all people can give the very best advice. And <laughs> that's why I've loved listening to you so much. Thank you so much. That yeah. is so kind of you. What is one piece of advice that you would give the younger version of yourself? Hmm, that's a great question. I think that I don't have to do everything. I think that a lot of PAs and just a lot of moms at this level are of the mindset that if I don't do it, it won't be done correctly. And that's debilitating when you are an entrepreneur and you have a business that's growing and you have, you know, multiple children at home with all with different needs. I mean, very unique personalities. I have to tell myself and improve upon that every day that other people can do it. And I catch myself even this morning, like Joe was making tortellini for Ellie's lunch. And I, I saw him put it in the hot container and I was like, did you put olive oil in that? And, you know, like, like how terrible is that? Like, I still feel bad about that. Like eight hours later, he's like, well, I put butter in it and then I'm going to put olive oil in it. And I'm like, okay, okay. Cause I don't need to control that. He's already on it. You know, all I need to do is get out the door with the twins in the car. That's just a little funny example, but it, it really wreaks havoc. Like if you're an entrepreneur and the founder of a company and you're not able to delegate to other people quickly and efficiently, you are going to sink. Mm. Um, and growth is very, very difficult, if not impossible. If you cannot delegate, you cannot trust other people and you cannot get what's in your brain into other people's brains and allow them to adapt that and to allow them to be the ones to take it to the next level. Which I think is the same at home. Like you, if you as the mom feel like you're the only one who can make the sandwich the right way, put the laundry away the right way, you know, do these, what really honestly seem like pretty basic household tasks. But when you are holding yourself or even other people to that high or impossible standard, Mm -hmm. you're not going to have help. You're not going to get relief and none of us can do it all. No, none of us can do it all. We need to remember that. So, (laughs) so speaking of that, are you still practicing clinically in the midst of running your home and parenting those kids and running that business of yours? No, I, I intended to, and I, I would love to, but, and I maintain my license, but it's just not in the cards for me right now. Uh, we're in a quite a bit of a, a growth phase. We've, we've been very much a lab coat company for most of our years in business. And after the pandemic hit, we, we needed to very much be a scrub company mm-hmm. because everyone that didn't wear scrubs before is wearing them now and everyone that was already wearing scrubs needs more and the uniform has just kind of changed over time in the last year and that's required a lot of uh, time and uh, building different you know areas of our business that 
um, were just very early stage before. So I, I haven't been able to, you know, once in a while I'll, you know, with the local leaders in this community, I'll go with them and do like a suture workshop or something like that. Or, but I'm not actively practicing emergency medicine or urgent care right now. And before you founded Metalita, you were doing both? Was it PEDS urgent care, PEDS uh, emergency? Mainly or? PEDS urgent care, or PEDS, okay. sorry, PEDS emergency medicine. But as I became more serious about Metalita and I wanted more flexibility in my hours and to not be working full time as I worked on the business plan and worked on the, you know, fabric development and the patterns and all that, then I switched to urgent care, which is a great transition after, you know, many, many years in, in ER. It's, it's um, much more doable, you know, than the stresses of, of the ER. Sure. That has been, in my experience, the ability to make that change from specialty mm-hmm. to specialty yes. has served me in every season of my life so far to be able to go from kind of the situation that I was in to closer to where I wanted to be or where I wanted to be. Yeah. So you you went from peds emergency medicine to urgent care full-time or you were doing... Stay part-time. I, uh, I've always worked, you know, seen both adult and Pete's patients. I've just been in both full-time jobs that I had, both in Queens, New York, and in Mission Viejo, California. I've just been seeing more pediatric patients just because that's how the PAs were assigned charts. But I moved to a local urgent care sort of during the transition. I was becoming more serious and I was um, becoming an official business and had real plans, you know, to launch. And, you know, my very first patient in urgent care was um, a guy with congestion and that was it. Like um, he was older, and I was asking about his, you know, history, and he was telling me he had a, you know, normal EKG on a um, annual exam like a month prior, and just going through a view of systems. And he said that he had some shortness of breath last night, but he was fine right now. And I asked the nurse to do an EKG as I stepped out of the room, and she brought me the EKG, and I was like, "Did you?" And I'm new there, so I didn't want to like overstep and I didn't want to be, you know, that jerk PA that just started. I wanted them to like me. And I'm looking at this, this EKG is tombstoning. And I'm like, wait a second, can I, is it okay if I check your leads? You know, like, you know, thinking there's no way that this guy's like sitting up. He's not diaphoretic. He's not vomiting, like nothing. Like he's not complaining of chest pain. And that, that was my very, very first patient. And I attribute that to um, just having a really good foundation in, in ER. And I, I loved working urgent care. I think that I picked up on so many cases, you know, from having great, great ER experience that um, might have otherwise been missed. So Absolutely. And I think that with each new specialty, you, you take what you've learned mm-hmm. and you can help use that as the foundation for what you need in your new role. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same is true when you're transitioning to, to business and from business to motherhood. I was just posting on Instagram about, you know, I'm mom until I get to the daycare drop off. And then I have this commute until I become a PA. And then, you know, all these different roles that we play throughout the day. Do you find as you're going from one to the other, that those transitions are smooth for you and you're able to sort of, now I'm the business owner and now I'm the mom. How does that work at your house? I've been told that I appear that it's smooth, but internally it's not. Um, I think this is what we're all very, very good at as moms and entrepreneurs and PAs is that maybe on the outside we look 
um, that everything's handled, but inside I'm just exploding. You know, our minds are always racing with constant thoughts of school and home and husband and dinner and shopping and returns and, you know, like whatever stresses, you know, come across, you know, every day. I'm not the best at it. I want to be. I am grateful that it appears so on the outside, but I'm still learning. I'm, I'm still working towards ways to make those transitions in a way that's healthy for me and for other people that I'm with. Yeah, I think slowing down is always, I see these books that say, you know, you have to take time in between this yeah. and that. And I, I don't always have that time. You know? I, I heard you say that you, you know, you have this mindset as you move from one transition to another and you, you take the time to breathe and take the time to really acknowledge that you are transitioning and that you need to be in a different mindset and need to have a different behavior most likely. And I like that. I heard you say that today. And I think that's, that's really smart. Yeah, it is a practice I'm, I'm working on. It is a work in progress over here as well. And it, I find it doesn't take that long. Like I can do my new office is very close to my kids' daycare. And so I just turn the radio off as I'm driving from having dropped them off to walking into the office and mm -hmm. just sort of saying like, okay, this, you know, I'm about to walk in and see these eight patients or whatever, you know, whatever I know is waiting for me and trying to sort of take deep breaths and release the tension in my shoulders, which I never know is there until I release it. <laughs> but to try and kind of refocus. And, and I do think when you're dealing with toddlers, you need a different mindset than when you're clamping a renal artery. And that's different than when you're tucking someone into bed. <laughs> different. I, I admire your, your perspective and your sort of viewpoint on managing all of this. I think it's just fascinating to listen to. And I'm just flabbergasted that you're able to post and make these beautiful, you know, podcasts and do all that you do, you know, with your large family and to find balance in it all. It's um, remarkable and um, very impressive. Oh, thank you so much. And I am managed to post not on Instagram about once a month or maybe yeah. a <laughs> <laughs> up that range. Yeah. But you're producing way more lab coats per day than I am. So <laughs> I can feel it in my bones. This is the year that you start to make traction toward those big, scary financial goals. If you are looking to trim up your budget, to make progress towards paying off your house, saving for your kid's college, or taking that dream vacation to the tropics, I have just the thing for you. It is a free guide I created of 12 things to quit buying that will save you $15,000 a year. You can find the link in the show notes or go to tracy-bingaman.mykajabi.com slash 12 things. That's tracy-bingaman.mykajabi.com slash 12 things. Get ready to start saving major money and making real traction towards those big financial goals. I think everyone looks at other moms, particularly our women look at other women and we say, you know, look at that successful business that she has built or look at how great she is at working out. And, and we're not so great at identifying the things that we're doing well, because there is things that every single one of us are doing well, mm -hmm. and that we're probably not giving ourselves enough credit for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really smart. I think 
Um, as we've mentioned in, in some other podcasts, I think that we need to all work harder at sort of being proud of who we are and the things that we are doing and the impact that we are having on our families and our work. I think we're all kind of stuck in the rut of what we're not doing, what we haven't done, what didn't get done. Um, and that's crippling, you know, to our gender. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty easy to see the things that you missed or weren't there for. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a, a definitely a much more dedicated practice to say, I'm in the right place, doing the right thing with the right people at the right time. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes means I'm not home for bedtime and that's okay. Like my kids know that I love them and, mm-hmm. you know, long days happen. And, and I think particularly when your kids get older, the older they are, I think the more that they understand mm-hmm. and it's good for them to see a mom who's chasing her dreams and changing the industry of lab coats or do whatever it is mm-hmm. that you're doing it's good for your kids to see you doing that and leaning into that for sure. Yeah, it's, I think it's great, but it sure is hard. They're young, so I don't feel like they fully understand, you know, and they just want me there. Ellie's, mm-hmm. you know, very emotional. She just needs me at nighttime. I can't always be there like you, you mentioned. I want to be, but I can't. I want to see the strength that I have and the leadership that I have um, and the confidence that I have. And I hope that over time, you know, she can see that you know, more and more. Yeah. I think that we are setting an example, whether we're being intentional about it or not. And so, you know, more is caught than taught and, and she sees you going in every day and the things that you're doing and whether she realizes it now or when she's 18 or 28, you know, sometimes these things are decades in the making. Hoping before 18. (laughs) Yeah, those those young years are, are challenging as a mom. So if people are not following you or following Metalita, where can they go to connect with and follow you or your awesome company online? Our website is metalita.com and I'm on Instagram at metalita.founder. I don't post very often, but I think that to really get a true feel of our direction and our true purpose beyond just the lab coats and scrubs. I think it would be really interesting for anybody who would like to learn more to follow us at Metalita underscore Graham. That's our main Instagram page for Metalita. And there you'll see all professions represented, all cultures represented, all different initiative focuses, you know, represented. We are really just a platform for the people who choose to wear our lab coats and scrubs to have their voice heard. And that's more important than the manufacturing process. I think we are a connected community that deeply respects and cares about each person that's come our way and and is a voice for us. And I think it's just a very unique group of people. And every day you're going to see anything from an exotic veterinarian to pediatric cardiologist to um, someone, you know, that's a female scientist working in a lab doing extremely innovative research. And I think that's important to all come together in that forum. And it's an opportunity to learn about different professions and to gain further respect for people, both in their actual work and their focus outside of their uh, profession as well. 
Yeah, I love what you guys are doing and the stories that you're sharing. It is very clear to someone who's following you and um, someone from the outside looking in what you guys are doing with sharing those stories and those messages. It is super inclusive and you're spotlighting a lot of really cool and very interesting people and sharing their stories. And it's just a very fun, uh, absolutely fun thing to follow um, on Instagram. Thank you. It's it's just an honor to be connected with these people. And uh, I've developed wonderful relationships, you know, through that forum and, you know, have the opportunity to, to reach out to people every day, whether it's a question related to a product or a fabric or just in general, general support and, you know, motherhood. A lot of friends have come through these relationships and, you know, through Metalita. And I, I welcome everyone to do the same and to sort of find their tribe through our forums. Yeah, so wonderful to have that as something that you guys are doing. One thing I forgot to ask you, where did the name Metalita come from? I wish I had a great story. Everyone asks me. <laughs> story, but I, um, at the time, I was looking for something in which we could own the domain name. Um, okay. I didn't want it to be a very long extended name, like, you know, blah, 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 labcoatsandscrubs.com. I, I felt that in order to be an established brand, like nike.com anthropology.com it needed to be singular and so now keep in mind it was only for women at the time because mm -hmm. i thought men could just wear unisex scrubs forever and lab clothes forever and they'd be fine <laughs> uh, and they didn't need anything you know <laughs> uh, so of course it's very feminine i was trying to blend words together that would allude to something uplifting and very elite and something in medicine and in my parents' swimming pool in Palm Desert, we, our family came up with this name and my dad hated it and, and everyone else said, I love it. And I said, if I can own the domain name for that word, then I'm going to go for it. Uh, it's great. I think it's super catchy. It's easy to remember and it's unique. And it, I think it's very fitting to the brand that you have grown out of it. It seems yeah, very... One of the guys are okay with it. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah. As as we thought that they weren't that worried about scrubs and lab coats, I don't think they're that worried about the name of the company that produces their scrubs and lab coats either. That's always a, a common funny question. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd never heard this story before, so it's good to know the background there. Well, thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure getting to know you better and chatting. I think, you know, we covered a lot of things, how to leave clinical medicine to start a booming business and also how to juggle daycare drop-off and remembering the laptops. So I think this will be, you know, a fun and interesting conversation for our listeners to tune in on. Thank you, Tracy. I admire your work so much. It's an honor to be interviewed by a PA. And I look up to you greatly in terms of your management and your motherhood suggestions. And it's been great speaking with you. Uh -huh. Thank you so much. We'll have to talk again soon. Yes, I would love that. Until next time, keep on slaying your own fire-breathing dragons. Thank you so much for hitting play on another episode of Fulfilled, the podcast. I have a favor to ask. If you like what you heard today, please tell your friends. Take a screenshot and share it on social. You can tag me on Instagram at Mrs. Tracy Bingaman, and you can tag the podcast at Fulfilled Podcast. And please consider leaving a review. 
I'd love to hear what you think. And your reviews can help other moms find me so they can grow alongside you. Oh, I almost forgot. Don't forget to subscribe so you get next week's episode automatically in your podcast queue. Instant inspiration and all the mom jokes? Yes, please. We'll see you next week on Fulfilled the Podcast.